Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the God and Hamilton podcast, where we explore the spiritual themes from the life of Alexander Hamilton and the Broadway musical he inspired. Today, we are joined by Aaron Moon, who both is a huge Hamilton fan and also a thought leader in the area of story. Aaron writes and edits Bible studies and devotionals. She runs operations for the Popcast Media Group. She's the resident Bible scholar on the Bible Bench podcast and is also a story coach and director for ARC Stories. And she also does story coaching for organizations and workshops. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. When do you sleep? I'm so excited to be here. I like I this is my favorite subject to talk about. So I'm really uh, pumped about it. Outstanding, outstanding. You are a busy woman. You have a lot of different projects and a lot of experience in this area of story. And I'm so excited to uh, have this conversation with you. So you let's start. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your background and how you kind of got into this world of story? Yeah. So for me, I am a longtime theater kid. Like, like I can't do anything because I have rehearsal. I just deeply, deeply have always connected with um, being a theater nerd. Like those are my people. I love those people. I love, I love the whole process rehearsal. I love dress rehearsal. I love learning your lines and blocking. I love the whole thing. And um, I, so naturally I'm, gravitated towards stories my whole life. And um, we have some friends here in Birmingham who started this, who started ARC Stories, um, a storytelling event. And I've been fortunate enough to be a story coach with them, which is just so much fun to sit down with normal people who have never gotten up and told a story, not professional storytellers. And um, they have something that they want to share. They think could be a great story. And and uh, helping them kind of mold it and form it into the best it can be. And then watching them share it with the group of people live is exhilarating. It's, yeah, it's so much fun. Um, and so I've just, I've always been really into stories. I'm a big reader. Um, I prefer fiction. I, I, I find that there is so much of God in these in these tellings, in these, in storytelling, in fiction. Yeah. Um, and I love to kind of do an archeological dig and find those places uh, where he overlaps in places that you may not, you may not assume that he yeah. would be at first. I love that. That's exactly what I did with my book, God in Hamilton, is I yeah. went into the story and then did the same thing of just started digging around and trying to find these themes and these ideas of where we see God in these stories. And I, that's a great image of, of archeological, um, digging around for, for these truths and these ideas that, that sometimes they're not right on the surface, but they are there if we, if we do a little bit of work and try to find them. Now, you wrote a, an amazing blog post um, about Hamilton, and you talked about Hamilton as a thin place, which was cool when I read it. I just read it a few weeks ago. It was cool because that's the exact image I used for the first chapter of my book. So great minds think alike, apparently. Great minds think, and I think um, that's just proof that it is <laughs> a thin place. So tell us about, tell us about that concept and how and why Hamilton became a thin place for you. Yeah, so this is a concept that, um, and you know this probably better than anyone, um, the Celtic Christian monks came up with this term that kind of describes where the veil between heaven and earth is really thin. You know, uh, one of the the guys at the seminary area in town where I work for, uh, that I live in, Timothy George, he says it's the distance between uh, where heaven and earth shrink and time and eternity embrace, which I think mm, is so beautiful. Love that. You know, and, yeah. and those those places can be anywhere. Those, you know, it's a traffic stop. It's, it's a bookstore. It's a hospital. It's the line at Starbucks. You know, I, I think God is always 
pressing on the veil and trying to get our attention. And sometimes we can feel that pressing and we can, and some of, I think some of the holy seeps through into yeah. our mundane, uh, mundane lives. And I think it can come from experience. It's a moment, it's a place, you know, I felt that, uh, I felt a thin place when I was at CS Lewis's home last summer. Mm. Um, and it just, you just feel kind of the, the sacred kind of seeping out of the walls there um, because it was just so lived in and so loved. And uh, I, I think it's, it's, that, it's that moment where you experience God and we can see it like across the distance into the everlasting. There's that, that moment in the last battle when the, the new Narnia is revealed. And it's, it's, this, it's, it's this like removing of the dust off of a picture or putting another, you know, putting your glasses on after not seeing for such a long time. I think it's just a clarity and um, it's just one of those moments that moves you and, and, and you just feel God. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That's, that's so profound and, and so true and, 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 and inspiring to me, like to remember that idea that like, even in this moment right here, right now, that, that if I'm open to it, this can become a thin place where I can oh, experience yeah. and know God's presence and that those opportunities are available to us every day, all day, if we can just kind of open our minds. And yet there are moments, I mean, the whole concept of, of a thin place from Celtic spirituality is that there are moments that lend themselves even more to that than others. And I think yes. certainly creativity, faith, theater, like there's something about that intersection that, that creates these thin places. And that, that was your experience at Hamilton. Um, yes. You talk specifically in the essay about the song Quiet Uptown. Oh. Tell us about that scene. Tell us about historically what's going on in Hamilton's life during that scene and why it impacted you so much, why it became kind of that thin place for you. Oh yeah, so you've got Hamilton being an absolute idiot, right? Like he's so <laughs> obsessed with his legacy. And I understand this, like I feel, I feel so connected to Hamilton in this moment. Like he's so obsessed with his legacy and making sure he's not misunderstood, that everyone knows like what he's about, that he just like throws his private life under the bus, you know? Right. And if he hadn't absolutely destroyed his family by doing this, it would be like very pure, right? Like a very honest to a fault kind of move. But it, I think it resonated with me so much is because my life revolves around asking for forgiveness. Like not mm. in a girl stop apologizing kind of way, but I know like I'm, I'm constantly screwing up. I'm constantly making a mess of things. And I think that's what you you see that moment in it's quiet uptown when i mean expect like we at this point I, I feel like everyone who's listening to your podcast has probably watched the show right and just the absolute devastating um moment when when you've got eliza and hamilton kind of at this impasse and she's not even looking at him and, right right but then then you know and he's he's just destroyed and that moment of she takes his hand yes and you see everything just fall on him like he's not worthy of it but he has to accept it because what else can he do like how else can he go forward you know like i you know, I think you see yourself so easily in these characters. You, we have all been irrevocably wronged. We have all been like the person who did the wrong, painfully aware of our need for forgiveness. And there's Christ all in that, right? Like there's just this moment of redemption and grace and repentance and the desire to, to make right and yeah. to put, put 
wrong aside and to and for everything to be made right again. And I think that's such a it's such a picture of grace and it's a picture that I think we as believers resonate with so much because that's just the cycle of our lives. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing it for the first time in the theater. And when that moment happened where where she takes his hand and starts singing the song with him, right? Uh-huh. And then and then the whole chorus sings out forgiveness can you imagine? You yeah. can feel the atmosphere shift in the theater. Oh my gosh. Like you can really feel can. it. It's like a wave that just kind of goes through the entire, the entire place because it's such a powerful moment and it confronts each of our lives. I'm getting goosebumps just right, thinking just about talking it. about it, right? <laughs> and the other interesting thing, you know, there's been this big uh, kind of dialogue over the past few weeks about movie versus theater and which one's going to be more powerful, which one's better. I think they're different, right? And oh, yeah, to absolutely. me, one of the benefits of this movie is you get to see these tight shots where you're right up in their face and you see oh the emotion, gosh. you see the tears coming out of their eyes, you see the emotion pouring out of them. And even that scene in particular, where you just see this devastation that Eliza is experiencing uh, because of the loss of her son, because of the betrayal of her husband, and she is just crushed by it. And yet she still gets to a place of forgiving him. Um, we've actually interviewed uh, one of the women that plays Eliza in the Weston production. Oh, that's and awesome. She's a person of faith. And she's made the comment that in her mind, she couldn't imagine Eliza getting there without being a person of faith, that she uh, couldn't figure out how to forgive Alexander unless it was this kind of long process of walking with God and getting to a place of forgiveness. And, yeah, and I think that's I, just such a beautiful image. I absolutely see that. I think, I think you, can't, you can't divorce Eliza's action here from her deep faith. You know, yeah, yeah. There's, this, there's this movement right now, um, I think especially among women, that's like, sorry, not sorry. You don't have to ask forgiveness for who you are. Like, stop apologizing. And I think that's true. But I think this song does such work to normalize apologies, like normalize asking for forgiveness when you hurt someone. You don't have to apologize for who you are or who God made you to be, but but there's this deep, humble work of grace in both offering it and receiving it that is our mandate from Christ, right? Yeah. And so I just, I don't think that you, I just don't think that you can take Eliza out of what God has done in her life and that not be like a, the result that we got from the song. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, and one of my favorite parts about doing research f- for this book, when I had the idea of writing the book, was learning about Eliza Hamilton. I mean, I knew oh, nothing about fascinating. her. She is a remarkable woman, an absolutely remarkable woman, a remarkable woman of faith. I mean, the things that she accomplished after Hamilton's death, the way that she ends the musical singing about all of her mm. accomplishments and singing about the orphanage. And, and you know, there have been articles written about the gasp at the end of the show and what happens at the gasp. And But even just, even that moment creatively, where she mm-hmm. looks up and, and has that moment. I mean, it, it sends chills throughout my entire body. Every time I watch it, I think I've watched the movie three times. Uh, it every is time, I just like, beautiful. I'm so overcome by that, by that last moment. Um, let me ask you this question. So part of what I try to do with the book is I try to take these truths and then apply them to our lives today and just say, okay, so how does that change my life today? So this scene with Eliza, where she forgives Alexander and gets over all this resentment and Hatred. I mean, the song right before, or it might not be right before, but a few songs before where she's burning the love letters. Yeah. And as a way of like, she's so angry and so hurt that she's going to burn these letters that are kind of this symbol of their love. Um, How do we live differently today in response to that scene, in response to what we can learn from that scene? Yeah. I mean, I think like, I think, I think you've, we've got such a, well, okay. Here's what I want to say about that. So, Eliza is, is our kind of, our 
avatar in that we she's she's like circling around hamilton this entire time right and she is she's just giving her whole self to him like there's there's all like we see so much in like in especially in helpless like she is she is fully invested in him she, she wants to support him she wants to do all these things she wants him to come home at the end of the day that would be enough you know and so she's just she's putting it all on the line for him she is giving him everything and that he has betrayed her in this way i think is is a is such a picture of the way that we have kind, like we in our sin and in our in in the ways that we ignore or put god aside for whatever the thing is that we like we don't want to be misunderstood we need to be under you know we need to have everyone really understand what we're about we we push him aside and so i think i think in that way we see ourselves so clearly in that song we are we are broken hamilton is broken you know and that moment and i know we keep going back to this but that moment when she takes his hand right. and you just you you understand the full weight of his redemption in that moment and and I think that applies to us. Yeah. We have if you are if you are a person of faith, if you if you are a, a Christian, if you are a believer, you have experienced that moment where the full weight of 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 your sin, of how you have turned away from God is is on you. And you you know, I have I have really, really messed up here. But we have that moment of, and it's not. We don't have to wait for it. We don't have to, we, we just have to ask for it. Yeah. And there is that, that deeply resonant moment. And I think, I think he's, I think Lynn is channeling something in that moment. It is, it, it, it has not, I can't, I can't get through it. I've watched, I've watched it like five times now because I, I just keep going back to it. Yeah. It is so deeply, deeply affecting. And I, I identify so much with, that oh i have been forgiven i mm. like and 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 how, how what do how do i honor this person now how do i how do i honor god in my life with the knowledge that i have hurt i have i have pulled myself away from him i have been separated from him and now he is asking me to come back he's taking me by the hand and um so I think I just I just think there's there's too much there's just too much gospel in there for me. Yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Process, and not only you know? and not only taking us by the hand, but then singing with us. Like oh, yeah. That image where Eliza she takes his hand and then she just starts singing the song with him. Like like Alexander's been singing to her and trying to get her to engage, and she, yeah. you know, again you see in the movie where she pulls away from him and she's cold yeah. and distant. And then she just finally softens and she starts singing with him. And yeah. even that image, you know, you, you see in the Psalms over and over, just this idea of sing to the Lord, sing yeah. to the Lord a new song. This idea that when we are forgiven, that God takes our hand and God starts singing with us again. What a beautiful image of yeah. what the life of faith can look like and uh, what a relationship with God and, and the work that God wants us to do in this world is, is singing good songs and telling good stories and doing it yeah. with him. Just really, really powerful. Um, so, so you do a lot of work with story. Again, these Bible devotionals, these, the podcast media group, the Bible binge podcast, arc stories, story coaching. 
I would assume that all this work you do really draws its roots back to your, your time in the theater. So tell oh, yeah. us a little bit about that, about, about how your life in the theater and how your uh, background in theater has kind of led you to this place of working so deeply with faith intersecting with story. I think that, I think there is, when you're growing up, when you grow up in, when you like go to Sunday school and you're learning, about Noah's Ark on the felt board, there's this disconnect, right? So you need, and you're a pastor, so you like, you know about, about the need for like an interpreter sometimes. Not because people are stupid, but because we're taking an ancient text and we're trying to make it apply to our modern lives. Hmm. So I think there is, there's a lot of disconnect between modern audiences, congregations, readers, whatever you want to call them, and what scripture is saying. I think that, I mean, we have Jesus is, is using this same model, like when he's using the parrot, when he's talking about the parables. And so I think that there is this, this desire in me to be a sort of a translator, not, not in a, you're, I'm smart, you're stupid kind of way, or I know more than you. And I, here's, but like, let's go in this together and let's see how can we uncover all of this. And I think that's, that's all theater is doing is, is, is helping you walk through concepts or themes or ideas in a way that you can, that you can get it for your own life. It's, uh, I think uh, Oscar Wilde says, uh, if you want to tell the truth, you have to make them laugh. And I think mm. that that applies to, if you want to tell the truth, you have to make them, you have to tell it in a way that they're going to understand it. Yeah. And so um, I think that there's this whole concept of storytelling. We've been, we've been telling stories since we, since we could talk, since we could say words. And I think there's this, uh, there's this desire to understand one another, you know, who lives, who dies, who tells your story. We're all doing that for each other and um it's an it's an ancient thing that's almost built into our dna and so I, I that's not new i'm not the first one or the last one to do that we've been doing that since since forever but i i think there's my my hope is a lot of the work that i did um in my younger professional days was writing scripts for for youth for seventh through twelfth graders uh to help them kind of hear about God in a different way other than here are the words of Jesus. Now the words of Jesus are powerful. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that they're not, they, they are, <laughs> they are life-giving, but I think there's just, there's a disconnect from the these and the thous in an ancient language. And uh, we don't all understand first century Judaism and we don't, you know, we don't always understand uh, ancient, ancient cultures. And so I want to always bridge that gap between okay, how does this, what is this? Okay, so great. This is awesome. David's in the Psalms and he's talking about like the shepherds and all, like, what does that even mean? So like, what does a shepherd mean in, you know, when David was alive? Like, what were they doing? What was their job? What were the tools that they used? Because those things mean something just like, just like things mean things to us now. Um, and and there's clues in the text. And I love that. I love an Easter egg. I love Taylor Swift. I love Lost, you know, so I really want to, I want to, I want to dig into that and I want to see what it's about because it's going to help me understand the text a little bit more. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Now that kind of connects with the Bible binge podcast, right? And the work that you do there. T tell us about that podcast and how that relates to this conversation. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, we're all, we're all looking for, for God in different places. And the Bible binge is, is doing exactly that. We're taking ancient Bible stories and we're recapping those in a way that 
that maybe the the everyday reader will will resonate with more and mm -hmm. not because it's not powerful in and of itself but because again there's that disconnect and that's all i mean that's all hamilton is doing when you think about it right it's just it's taking it's taking this story this old story out of its context and putting it in a more modern modern context with the language and suddenly i'm not having to read now i love ron Turner now's book but i'm not having to read a giant biography about hamilton i'm not having to i'm not having to uh, read hamilton's actual letters or or things that are kind of antiquated in their language and i don't have to make the jump i can i can watch something that that speaks to me now and i and that's all we're doing on the bible binge is we're we're kind of taking them out of their context and learning more about them so that we can see them better it's just a different lens and that doesn't mean the 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 more traditional lens is better um, or worse, it just means that here's another way you can look at it. It's kind of like, kind of like uh, reading the Bible in different translations. Like right. you're gonna, other things are gonna be illuminated in different ways of translating than you would get from just the NIV or just the NRSV. You know that kind of a thing. So it's just, it's just putting another lens on it. Yep, I love that. I love that. Hey, one final question. Um, going back to the concept of the thin place, which is where we started the conversation. What are your thoughts on this idea that God is a creative God and we are made in his image that we are called to be creative people as well, made in a creative God's image. And that there's something about that creative act that maybe becomes a unique thin place in our lives. What, what is it about the creative act that brings us so close to the presence of God? Well, I think we're, I think everything is a creative act. I think we sometimes we try to put like um, we try to put guardrails around creativity like oh that's only for creative people I think because we are created um, we cannot help but be creative people mm. um, we are you know even if that's I'm finding a creative solution to an accounting problem or a parenting problem or you know or I create in my garden or I create um, worlds on Minecraft, whatever. I think that there is that innate need in us um, because we are a product of creation. And I think um, he's always speaking. He's always creating. He's he's constantly wanting to engage us in that. And I find even when I'm doing something that's not necessarily labeled as creative, it I'm I'm being spoken to, I'm being called. And I think that is that is so deeply ingrained in the character of God that we have innately received that through osmosis or through a birthing process. And right. um, you know, he is he is the ultimate creator. And I think about all of the like food does not have to be this good. Like food does not have to be this different tasting. Like you shouldn't be able to take like a protein and do 50 different things <laughs> to it. And it all tastes different. Like we didn't, it didn't have to be that way. We didn't have to have 8 million different types of birds or, right. you know, I, right. I just, I think it, we, and we become numb to it because it's all around us all the time. And I think that that is what makes Hamilton so special is that we're, we're getting to See, you talked about the camera angles earlier, and I think what a gift, what a gift we got. Because I saw the show in Chicago, and it was wonderful and incredible. But I was, and I wasn't even that far away from the stage. But I missed so much. You get to see so much of the show, and I think I, and now I 
go, oh, do I want to watch Hamilton? Like if you would have told me Hamilton was going to be like available on my TV, just right. anytime I wanted right. to watch it, I would be right. like, well, I'm going to keep watching it until they take it off. But like, I think, you know, you kind of become numb to that. And there's that, there's those thin places where you, that the numbness goes away yeah. and you are, you are particularly sensitive to what's going on and how God is calling you and what he wants to say to you. And, and you're, and not even just like, that, but just the nearness and the delight and uh, seeing, you know, rubbing that dust off the photo and wiping your glasses clean and seeing him and seeing that this is this, all of this creation is an act of love, you know? And so I think that that is what is so critical to remember when we think about creation. It's it's an act of love. He is yeah. loving us through this. And yep. um, so love that's that. kind of what I think about that. And, and then the connection we make to our lives is that every time we do good creative work that we are um, doing, it's an act of love as well to mm-hmm. others, yes, to the people absolutely. around us, to anybody that comes into contact with us. And so in some ways it hopefully brings a little bit more weight to the work that we're doing, whether we're writing music or whether oh, we're yeah. creating a podcast, whatever we're doing it, every time thinking this is a loving act to every single person that's going to come into contact with us. I, I have this uh, sermon that I used to give that talked about how every time we create, we send a ripple out into the world and oh, we have yeah. no idea how far that ripples goes and how much of an impact that ripple has. So, well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much, Aaron. How can people find you online? Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Aaron H moon. I am not on Facebook. So do okay. not go there. <laughs> Aaron H moon. And then yeah. also tell them where we can find the Bible bench podcast. Yeah. You can go to the biblebench.com and uh, find the Bible bench podcast. And we hope you come listen. Great. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us and for the conversation today. Thank you so much, Kevin. This is so fun. Yeah, it was fun. And thanks everybody for listening and we will see you all next time. Thanks everybody.